Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. And we are obsessed with flipping puberty positive. Puberty is a stage of life best described as a roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts. It happens to literally every human being on earth. And it shouldn't be cringy. It should feel, you know, pretty comfortable. Which is why we started this podcast and a newsletter and why we film slightly ridiculous but informative social media videos. It's why we have a brand that makes clothes that literally feel so comfortable and why we write books too. Our latest is This Is So Awkward, Modern Puberty Explained. We have built a universe of puberty positivity and it all started with this podcast. We are so happy that you're here. Hi, Cara. Hi, Vanessa. Vanessa, it's early morning in LA. <laughs> Even for you. Even for me, it's early. So anyone who's watching this on YouTube sees a just woken up Cara <laughs> and a perky Vanessa. Good morning, Vanessa. Good morning. Even you who get up so early in the morning, you are the definition of an early bird gets the worm, gets the I podcast am. recording. Gets the podcast warm. And the reason I mentioned that it's morning is I'm going to make you laugh for a second. So you know my husband well. I would say he is the embodiment of a risk-averse human. He is very thoughtful and cautious in many ways. He also happens to be a cardiologist. He takes care of people, you know, average age is quite old of his patients. The older you are, the more he loves you. That's why I say it. And over the years, he has taken on a practice that he recommends to his patients, but now he does it for himself. And every morning it makes me laugh. Do you want to know what it is? 
I'm dying because I've spent a lot of time in your house at drinking coffee with Paul and I'm not aware of this practice. You wouldn't know this because he wakes up in the morning and he goes from laying down to sitting on the edge of the bed and he waits about 15 to 30 seconds and then he stands. Mm -hmm. He does this even in the middle of the night. If he has to get up in the middle of the night, he does this. Okay, the risk of first Paul. Why? Why do you think he does this? I think he has to let his body adjust to being in an upright position from being in a laying down position. Yes. He is trying to avoid what we're going to talk about today, which is a syncopal episode. Even though he is not a teenager, far from it, he, like all the rest of us, have the risk of actually feeling dizzy enough to fall over or having a little fainting spell when you go from laying down to standing up. And there are lots of reasons and lots of ways that kids and adults can end up having syncope. But he has always told his patients who are on the older side, hey, if you want to avoid that middle of the night hip fracture because you got up quickly to go to the bathroom, this is the strategy to use. And so what does he do? He practices every single day, which... I mean, God bless him. He really is such a kind person. Yeah. Population one, as I like to say. It's so funny because our husbands in some ways are so much alike, but on the outside, you would never imagine they are anything alike. And also because Roger gets up, if he gets up in the middle of the night, it's like 90% the F word. And then (laughs) usually... Another 30% of him tripping over the 400 books he has piled <laughs> next. Oh my God. Bed. Hip fracture risk. Well, that is but a hip luckily he's risk. also doing exactly what you would say not to do, which is he's looking at his phone in the middle of oh. the night. There was a study that came out. Did you see that study that came no. out this week? No, oh, what yeah. did it say? No, to, just, to send it we'll to talk him. about that on a different podcast, but don't look at your phone while you're walking, especially on the street. Okay, let's, should we stay on syncope though? <laughs> because here's the reason we're going to talk about it today. The number of calls that I get from parents whose kids have fainted is, I mean, it's the most common call I get, I think. And for a while, I was worried, like, in the beginning of my pediatric practice, I would really worry. Right. And there are some circumstances in which you worry. And there are a lot of times where you have to actually do the workup and we can sort of talk about that. But but let's talk about how common it is for kids to faint and why and what to do about it. So what is going on Do we have like an average age where it's typically onsets? Is it related to like growth spurts in body size? Is it related to hormonal swings in body chemistry? Like walk us through this sort of like onset. So this is going to be a gigantic yes that stretches across a bunch of buckets. So we're going to start with the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system is a network of nerves. So I love the Cleveland Clinic website. Anyone who wants to look up this definition can find it there. And not just because Lisa Damore lives near there. And not just because Lisa Damore lives there. On the clevelandclinic.org website, they describe the autonomic nervous system as the network of nerves through your body 
that controls unconscious processes. And the autonomic nervous system is split into two parts, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. Okay, and they have this beautiful little chart um, we can link in the show notes. So autonomic sounds a lot like automatic for a reason. So these are all the things, now these are the words again from Cleveland Clinic. These are all the things that happen to you without thinking about them, like breathing and like heart beating. Okay. So it's always active. There's the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic. Parasympathetic is all the stuff that happens at baseline. And sympathetic is all the stuff that happens when you're being chased by a lion. So parasympathetic, and you can look this up because it's actually, it's really important to understand how these two things balance each other. So parasympathetic is your pupils constrict you salivate, your airways constrict, your heart rate goes down, your stomach digests food, your intestines absorb the food, your bladder constricts, and your reproductive system increases its blood flow. That's all sort of when nothing threatening is happening to us. When something threatening is happening, we turn on the sympathetic nervous system the pupils dilate to bring in more light. You stop salivating, which I find fascinating. That's actually. very interesting. Right? Like Dry a mouth. weird side effect. Dry mouth. Your airways dilate, bring in more oxygen. Your heart rate increases. Distribute that oxygen to more muscle groups throughout the body. Your stomach stops digesting. Okay. It's it just like why divert blood flow there right. when you need blood flow to the muscles? Your liver releases glucose to give you an energy push. Your kidneys release adrenaline. It's actually not your kidneys, it's your adrenal glands, as we all know, that's your cortisol response. Your bladder relaxes, okay, which can sometimes make you feel like you need to pee. And which explains when you play hide and seek why you've and you're hiding and you feel like you need to pee. That explains okay, that's it. your sympathetic I nervous system. About that, before. <laughs> that is taking me back many years. I'm not saying how many years. Raise your hand if you wet your pants while hiding. Oh, I'm taking my hand. Or <laughs> almost, almost wet your pants. Exactly. Yeah. And your reproductive system decreases its blood flow. So go to clevelandclinic.org, look up the autonomic nervous system and you'll hear this, okay? The autonomic nervous system, as you can imagine, and the balance between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic impacts your heart rate, your respiratory rate, and your blood pressure. We're going to hone in on blood pressure specifically because blood pressure is actually what I hate to say keeps you standing, but keeps you standing. So your blood vessels are lined with these teeny tiny muscles. And when those muscles relax, the blood vessels dilate. And when those muscles constrict, the blood vessels constrict. And so the pressure in those blood vessels goes up when the little smooth muscles in the walls constrict and it goes down when they relax. The resting blood pressure of a teenager, this is a very long answer to your question, Vanessa. <laughs> the resting blood pressure in a teenager is lower for a number of reasons. First of all, those smooth muscles tend to be relaxed more often. Why? 
because kids have smaller bodies than adults by comparison. Even the same height kids tend to carry a little less weight. So they tend to need to have resistance in their blood pressure at a lower level. You need to get resistance in your blood vessels when you need blood to flow against the grain or upstream, right? So if you think about like you're a smaller body, there's less work to be done in the blood vessels. So therefore, those little smooth muscles that are lining the blood vessels don't have to work so hard. The blood vessels in teenagers are more elastic. Duh, they're younger and everything's more elastic. You have fewer risk factors in general that are going to increase your blood pressure. So things like all the things that increase blood pressure in older adults, all those downstream risk factors, and we could get into them, but just go on clevelandclinic.org, all of those downstream risk factors are less in most teenagers and most teenagers are more active than most adults and an active lifestyle is associated with lower blood pressure. So kids, when they would come into my office and I would take their blood pressure, it's so funny, like you hit this point where they maybe starting at 12 or 13 or 14, their blood pressure really starts to come down. And the, you know, systolic blood pressure is the top number, diastolic blood pressure is the bottom number. We don't always use both of those numbers when we are describing what the blood pressure is, but most often both of those numbers are lower in teenagers on average than they are in adults. Okay, you're going, why does this matter? What does this have no, to do no, with No, 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 but what I'm what I'm trying to understand is what's the difference between a kid and a teenager? Like a lot, oh, everything you described could apply theoretically to children as well as adolescents. It's so true. And, you know, I think there's data on that that, I don't have access to right now, but I can look it up and maybe we can write a newsletter about it and sort of get into that. But I think the biggest driver, the biggest physiological driver is fluctuating sex hormone. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. 
oh, I've noticed. <laughs> and it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie Horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So it turns out that fluctuating sex hormones directly impact autonomic nervous system response. I just learned something new. Right. And we know that our teenagers now, you say kid, and we know that kids as young as eight and nine are going to puberty. So that's where I want to dig into the data. Right. So the question is actually, now that we know that sex hormones are involved in this, and we know that the average onset of puberty, say it all together for girls, is between eight and nine and say it out loud, between nine and 10 for boys, those are kids. Those aren't adolescents. And so if they have rising and falling sex hormones and that impacts blood pressure, then we know it's not just teenagers, it's also younger kids. And so I'd love to dig into that research and I promise to circle back on what that is. There are other things that also lower blood pressure and shift the autonomic nervous system response. So These are all things that are common to both tweens and teens or, you know, throughout the pediatric lifespan, these things are all happening. One is the prefrontal cortex is not mature. Okay. We've talked about this a million times. Why does this matter? Because the prefrontal cortex actually does impact the autonomic nervous system activity. And so when it is mature, it works a little bit differently than when it is immature. Emotional reactivity 
is connected with the autonomic nervous system response. So the more emotionally reactive someone is, the sort of more upregulated their autonomic nervous system responses, the more likely they are to have a little dysregulation in their blood pressure. Stress, right. the cortisol response. So we heard about that in that wonderful list on Cleveland Clinic, but also, you know, just to think about it, the stressors in life can shift the way your autonomic nervous system works and also physical growth. And that is like literal stretching of the blood vessels can actually change the way the autonomic nervous system works. So how does this manifest in a teenager? Well, I mean, I can give you one example from my office. You can give me lots of examples from life, Vanessa. When a teenager would get a vaccine or a shot of any kind, when I was in practice, we started having the kids just do it in a reclined position because they would see the needle coming, their stress response would go up, and they would timber. They would pass out, not all of them, but a decent number. And if you look at the data, that's incredible. There's one study that looks at 20-year-olds. 20-year-olds are being interviewed. Have you ever had a fainting episode? 20% of male respondents and 50% of female respondents said yes. Can we just dig into that for a second? So the cortisol response goes up. Does the blood pressure drop? Drop. Okay. So it's like a seesaw. Yeah. And you're already starting with a low blood pressure. Right. And it drops further. Oh, and we should talk about this for a second because some people may not know. In order for blood to get to your brain, you need enough pressure in your blood vessels for the blood to flow upstream, right? Gravity. Right. So that's what I was going to ask about is gravity. So if your body is used to pumping against a certain force of gravity in a certain size body, and all of a sudden that body is taller and requires more force to get upstream against gravity, does the body have that sort of like memory of what it used to need in order to get it up there or not? Is it, as you say, automatic? I would think about it differently. Here's what I would say is it requires the same amount of pressure, frankly, to get kind of get things flowing on a minute by minute basis. The baseline blood pressure needs of the human body, while they shift over time, it's not super dramatic. But what it is, is if you're starting at the low end of that range to begin with, Mm. and then the blood pressure drops lower, there's a point at which blood is not going to flow upstream. It's just not going to get from your heart to your brain very easily if the pressure doesn't exist in the blood vessels to get it there. So what should you do Mm -hmm. in order to get it there? What's the strategy that the body needs to employ? Calling Dr. Natterson, Paul Natterson. No, no. It needs to, oh, I thought you meant the body needs to call Dr. Natterson. No, No, I'm saying, remember what you talked about at the beginning. Yes, so the body needs to lay horizontal so that it doesn't need to fight gravity so the blood can get to the brain. Vanessa, how do you get yourself horizontal in an instant? You pass out. Oh, I was like, you lay down, you faint. Okay. You faint. Right. So fainting is actually an adaptive response Mm. and it makes really good sense. Like I don't have enough blood flowing to my brain. Oh my God, how do I get enough blood flowing to my brain? I quickly get flat and then I don't have to fight gravity. So that's what we see when these kids pass out. Can we talk about the role of dehydration in this response? Yes. 
Are you guessing that there's a role of dehydration? Well, I'm remembering your description about dehydration and how the blood gets like sluggish without enough water in the body. So I'm wondering if there's a relationship. Yeah. So dehydration can impact this in two ways. One is it can literally pull the water out of the blood. So the blood for all intents and purposes is a little more concentrated and it's harder to move around the body. The heart has to work harder to pump that blood around the body. The teeny tiny capillaries, which are the many, many, many surface streets that take blood to the fingertips and the toes and all these places in the body, as opposed to the highways like the aorta that take blood to all the central organs, those capillaries will clamp down when you're dehydrated or when your blood pressure is low in order to divert blood back to the central corpus to keep the lungs breathing and the heart beating and all that and the brain fueled. Remember the brain is 3% of the body's mass, but consumes 25% of the body's energy. The brain is really the, if not the target organ tied, you know, with the heart for number one, because without the brain and the heart, your body is not doing what it needs to do to live. So when you're dehydrated, some of the issue is that you're pulling, there's not enough water in the actual blood. And then the other issue is the autonomic nervous system is trying to figure out what do I do? Am I in fight and flight or am I in this relaxation mode? And at certain points when the body is dehydrated, the blood pressure will go down. Now, there are points where the body is so dehydrated that the blood pressure will start to go up to compensate. You don't want to get there. Mm-mm. You don't want to get there. So dehydration does play a role and staying hydrated keeps the blood pressure at a nice steady level. So all of this begs the question, Cara, what do we do to help kids not faint? And if they are prone to fainting, what are the things that they can kind of habituate in their lives to help prevent it happening on a regular basis? I mean, the obvious things are you want to educate kids about why fainting happens. They should understand the autonomic nervous system and the difference between sympathetic and parasympathetic. It's super interesting. And I actually think it should be taught in school, not Mm -hmm. just in science, but actually sort of a part of a life skills course because it's it's really, really interesting to understand and feel like you have a little bit more control over how your body operates when you have no control. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? You can teach them strategies like Paul's strategy of when, and this is really true for teenagers, don't jump out of bed. Right. Teenagers, if you jump out of bed, some number of you are going to feel really dizzy and timber. And I think that's Like, who knew, right? I did not know when I was a kid, but I remember feeling dizzy. Luckily, it takes teenagers like 20 minutes to get... (laughs) I think that's an adaptive response, Vanessa. I really do. So there's that. There are also things that we have to tell kids that they don't want to hear. So I'm going to give you the most common advice that I give to individuals who drive cars, which is... You can have syncope, right? You can timber and pass out while doing anything as a teenager, including driving. And if you are at risk for having a syncopal episode, you don't want to be behind the wheel. So if you're sick and slightly dehydrated, not feeling 100%, hung over, like, I don't care what it is. I'm not here to judge. Just if you are not feeling great, 
If you are taking a medicine that drops your blood Mm -hmm. pressure, don't get behind the wheel of a car because we see kids pass out when they're driving. And you can imagine the downstream consequences of that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny how the things that we say to kids that they are like, yeah, 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 okay, I got it, I got it. They don't always understand the potential serious consequences. And while we don't want to fear monger constantly because they will then shut us out when we're telling them super important stuff, as ever, explaining the science to them and walking them through from science to practical downstream effects is a really, really potent way of giving kids important guidance. And this one's not fear-mongering at all. This is like, this is straight up fact. Just here's how the body works. But it's, you know, when, if we go to sort of a hundred with every topic, then they're just going to stop listening. But this is one that's really important. The other thing that's really important is if your kid takes ADD medication and they typically don't take it on the weekends, when they become drivers of cars, they need to take it when they are going to drive a car. I love that topic so much, Vanessa. You know what? Let's do a whole episode about medications that are taken intermittently, need-based, and how the need changes. Because, and anyone listening, write in with examples, email us, tell us what you want to hear about on that one. That is such a fabulous topic because it's a hard one yeah. for kids to wrap their brains around and for adults to wrap their brains around. Correct. So let's leave it there. I'm so excited. I like totally nerded out. Oh my gosh, right? Can I just ask you a question? I've also heard the advice that not only do you not stand up quickly, but you also sort of massage the legs like to get the blood flow moving. Is that a urban legend or is that medically based? You know, it's funny because you're massaging usually down, blood flowing away from the heart. My guess is that A, it feels good and B, it's sort of a signal to your autonomic nervous system. I'm awake now and Mm -hmm. C, it buys you time. I mean, if we had to package one piece of advice we give over and over and over again, and we could white label it and sell it across like a million channels, that piece of advice would be buy yourself some time. And sometimes it's about risk-taking choices, right? And letting the prefrontal cortex get there in terms of how it's involved with risk-taking choices. And how fascinating that in this example, we've circled back to that piece of advice, give yourself some time, but it's about blood pressure. I was presenting at a school, like an outdoor education school this week, and we were talking about what are the skills we can give the teens to buy themselves some time to make good decisions and not to necessarily react in the moment. And this is a new one and I love it so much. One of the outdoor educators said, I would take a kid to go chop some wood. Oh, that's fantastic. Because it's physical activity. So it gets the dopamine up. It buys them time. It relaxes the brain doing a physical, you know, an intense physical activity. And I was like, okay, that is my new my new way of buying some time. It's safety first. So like put on your protective eyewear. Right. So we were joking about how just make sure they don't leave the axe sitting blade side up when they're done. <laughs> what would Paul with. say about that? Right. That Paul, really we're going to have to have we're Paul gonna... come on the podcast and give us all his cardiologist advice. 
to his 94-year-old patients. Vanessa, I'm going to jump off and then I'm going to stand up slowly so that I don't pass out. Oh, good. Because I'm going to lie down on the rug and take it. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Vanessa. Bye, Cara. We absolutely love hearing your feedback and getting all your questions. So anytime you want to be in touch, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. If you're looking for great puberty products like the Oom shorts or the Oom socks or the Oom bra, you get the theme there, go to myoomla.com. If you want more content, you love what we do on the Puberty Podcast and you want to have us come speak or learn more about our book or subscribe to our amazing newsletter, The Awkward Roller Coaster, go to orderofmagnitude.co. Remember, it's .co because we don't have enough money to buy .com. Yet. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.